God that follows us, Lord. It's your goodness, oh God, that chases up your us, oh God. Right now, my God. Oh, Lord. Oh, with every breath we have, Lord, we love to you, Lord. And I will sing of the goodness of God. I love you, Lord. I love you,
couple of uh, weeks or the, or the month of October, it was a time where as much as the church was advancing, so was the kingdom of darkness. So I believe when God placed on our hearts to come in, into a time of, of uh, prayer, into a time of worship, where you wanted prophetic worship out of the house, he was breaking things in the atmosphere. As much as the people and the children of God get together, so were the angels of Satan. So were the demonic forces. Now the month of October 
is a very important month in the satanic realm. It's a time where they celebrate the witches throughout the, the month of October. They start calling on spirits and they come into the, the last day of October, which is the day that they celebrate Halloween. But the saddest part is that church takes part into it. Christians take part into it. Now there's a portal that's been opened where we've been speaking about this portal that's opened where uh, you, you be accessing the spiritual realm uh, and we're accessing the, the heaven. But there's also portals being opened in the lives of people that begin to access the darkness. Yeah. Now when you, when you get into this place and this position where you access the things of Satan or the satanic things, you are bringing things into your life, into your homes. You are opening doors for where the enemy has access. Now you wouldn't find a satanic worshiper coming and celebrating uh, the birth of Christ or celebrating Easter. But you would find Christians going and celebrating one day. They think it's one day, but it can change the lifetime of their children. It can lead them down a road that will cause them to come into a place of destruction. Up until the church raises its voice and brings to awareness the things that can happen if we do not, if we become disobedient to the things of God. Now we have been set apart as a child of God. You are called to be the child of light. You cannot delve in the things that are related with darkness. We need to, we need to understand who we are, whose we are and what God has called us for. If there is a purpose in your life, it should be the one to satisfy the will of the Father. As a child of God, you should be satisfying the will of the Father. And if your Father is God, the Heavenly Father, then you should be doing things that please Him. Yeah. Now you might think sometimes, and, and you know, uh, the last couple of days I was engaging with people, and a lot of them, some of them are Christians, and they were talking about how they're going to celebrate Halloween. And I said, that is not what you should be celebrating. Yeah. You should be looking forward to celebrating the birth of Christ. Yeah. That should be on your heart. You shouldn't be celebrating things that reminds you of evil. Things that will cause the portals to be open in your homes. Uh, that will cause portals to be open in your family. That will bring about destruction. Amen. We need to, we need to stand up as, as a, the church of Jesus Christ. We need to stand up and we need to raise our voices. We need to speak against those demonic things and we need to tell them exactly. When you have the opportunity to engage someone who speaks about Halloween and, and the things of evil, whether they are a child of God or whether they're not, you can express your thoughts. Because when you do that, I'm not saying it will go down well, but you, you might have to fight uh, greater battles. But that you already have your victory to Christ Jesus. Amen. And you know, I just, I just want, I want you to be encouraged, but also I want you to know that we are children of the Most High God. And everything we do, we already have a victory. We need to speak the word and walk into that victory. Amen. In Colossians 1 verses 15 to 17, it says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For, for by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether 
thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things and in Him are all things hold together. Amen. We have the confidence that in Christ He holds everything together. We have the confidence that in Him all things are created. We have the confidence that in Him we have powers over thrones, over every created thing, yeah. over rulers, yeah. over yes. authorities. Yeah. Yes. So we have the power. Yes. We have the power because we have Christ in us. Amen. Yes. Let's just bow for a word of prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, in the name that's above every other name. We come this day, Lord Jesus, we lay ourselves at the altar of God. We bring ourselves at the light of the world, Lord Jesus. We speak light into every darkness, dark situation. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would cause us, Lord, as the sons of God to rise up, Lord. Father God, you begin to take authority, Lord, over principalities, over power, over spiritual wickedness. Father God, we tear down, Lord, every stronghold today, Lord, over our families, over our children. Father God, we, we, we cover them in the blood of Jesus, Lord. Father, we speak life Lord, into their lives, Lord, today. Father, we come against every attack of the enemy. We come against every attack, Lord, of the evil one today. Father, we stand firm, Lord, on your word today, Lord. You say that you have given us power, Lord. You have given us authority, Lord. Father God, we we, we exercise the power and the authority that you have given us. We call down, Lord, the things of God. We pray, Lord, for your spirit, Lord, to hover over this place, Lord, hover over our lives, Lord, begin to consume and cover us, Lord. We pray this day, Lord. We come against every attack on the enemy, Lord. We tear down principalities. We tear down powers, Lord. We tear down, Father God, everything, Lord, that begins to hold us captive today. Father, we declare, Lord, that we will be the enemy of the chain, Lord. That we will be above and not beneath, Lord. Father God, that we will walk, Lord, in the victory that you have set before us, Lord. We cancel every attack today, Lord. Father God, we tear Lord, 
that you are invading this atmosphere. You are invading our lives. You are invading our hearts, oh God. We thank you. We thank you, oh God. Father, we give you praise and worship. Even as we come around your word, oh God. Even as we come and sit at your word. Let your Holy Spirit bring illumination to our minds. Let your Holy Spirit bring understanding to our hearts. That we be able to be and able to begin to understand the days that we live in. We will be like the sons of Ishka, understanding the times. And Father, this only can come by when we begin to be at your word. Then we can look at your word. And God, when you begin to illumine our hearts and bring illumination to our minds, then we are able to navigate inside this confused and dark world. Bless this word of God. Bless this word in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Make us alert. Make every heart and every mind alert to this word. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. May I take your seats. Thank you to the praise and worship team. Well, good, good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody. Wow, wow, wow. Good to, good to know that you're here this evening and uh, to hear what God has to say. And definitely, God has a word for you. And uh, I was tasked by uh, Pastor Gerald to speak to you on, uh, on what's going on now, right now, and what's trending right now. And what's trending right now is Israel. The state of war in Israel. So he asked me to address it, and that's what I want to do. And this being a Bible study, and, uh, and so we are going to really look at what the scripture is saying so that we can understand the times. Yeah. We can have an understanding of what's going on in the war with Israel. And so there are all kinds of information, and that's what I want to talk to you about. Israel, the war, uh, the state of war. And there's all kinds of information that is out there. For believers, it is confusing to navigate it. I don't know about you, but there's so much stuff that they are telling us about. But uh, from, un from the unbelieving world, there is so much of hatred in being anti-Israel, which is dangerous for them. So what I want to share with you is this Israel, it's beyond the physical, see the spiritual. Israel, it's beyond the natural, see the supernatural. See, what I want to deposit into you this evening is not spoken about. It's not mentioned with all the information about the end times. Antichrist, man of peace, who's going to be now the man of peace, the mark of the beast, and all of the stuff that's out there. But this, what I want to share with you, is not out there. I want to lay down 
line upon line, principle upon principle, that will come to one important point that is missing. The main thing, the core factor. I want to start with something that we really look at. Some people get bored by reading it. And what is that? Genealogy. Beget, beget, beget. You know that one, right? Some people, in fact, they read it when they cannot sleep. Because they're so bored, and so that's what makes them fall off to sleep. So, let's go with the first point I want to bring to you, is the genealogy. And look at the genealogy. But even as we look at the genealogy, we're not going to read it, in case some of you will fall off to sleep. But we're going to look at it, and we're going to pull out some things out of it. Look at the genealogy, but I want you to take note, as we look at the genealogy, is the spiritual DNA of individuals and families. There are four genealogies that we look at. Number one, firstly, in Genesis chapter 5, you will read the genealogy from verse 1 to verse 32. From Genesis chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 32. This is the genealogy, by the way, starts from verse 3, genealogy of Adam. The genealogy of Adam. Imagine that. Now, although Adam's sin he still carries a spiritual DNA. How do I know this? You know that he had two, they, had, they had two sons, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And eventually, somewhere along the line, Cain murdered Abel. Why? It's because the offering that they offered, Abel's, was received. Because he had a good heart. Unlike Cain. And out of that, he murdered Abel. Now that means Abel carried spiritual DNA. But because he was murdered, he was replaced with another son called Seth. You will read this in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25 and verse 26. So let's read. I want to read it. Genesis chapter 24, verse 20, 25 and 26. Genesis chapter 4. Verse 25 and verse 26. You see, it says, Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of him, instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. Verse 26. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born. And he named that son Enosh. Now listen to this. These men began to call on the name of the Lord. That means they had spiritual DNA. Do you get that? That's why Seth was born. God couldn't use Cain. Because he didn't have the right spiritual DNA. Do you get this? So... It goes from Adam, as you will read, when you're tired, you can read it, but you'll read as it goes from Adam to Noah. Yeah. You'll read the last name there is Noah, in that chapter, chapter, in verse 32, Noah. Very appropriately. 
But you will read about Noah. Noah in Genesis chapter 6, the next chapter. Genesis chapter 6, very interesting. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 and verse 9. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. Do you see spiritual DNA? Yeah. So that's why we start with Adam. We'll finish with Noah. Everybody got that? Yeah. Second. Let's go to the second one. Second genealogy. Genesis chapter 10. You would see. You read it. Genesis chapter 10 verse 1 to verse 32. The spiritual DNA of Noah's spiritual sons and their respective families. That's what you will read there. This Noah. This righteous man. All of his sons and their respective family is found in the spiritual DNA. Third one is Genesis chapter 11, verse 10 to verse 27. He's one of the sons, and one of the sons of Noah is called Shem. You will read, it starts with Shem and ends with Abraham. Ha. And out of Abraham come Isaac, Jacob, the 12 sons of Israel, which is a nation. So, in tracking the spiritual DNA of individuals, that I'm showing you, and families, it produced a very special nation because of that spiritual DNA. And that spiritual, and that special nation becomes the father's treasured possession. The father's special treasure. Where do I get the, where do we get this? The father's special treasure called Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6. The father's special treasure is Israel. Now this in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6 is a powerful description of Israel. Very powerful description. And this is how God describes this nation. He says, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. Not for themselves, for himself. A special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Now look at those words. Holy nation. Chosen people for, for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the Why? Why? Because the Father has a purpose and a plan for this special nation. That's why God will give them laws, He will give them commandments, He will give them precepts, He will give them the feast. He will give them festivals, which is found in the first five books, which is from Genesis to Deuteronomy. The Israelites will call it the Torah. He not only gave them the laws and the commands and the feasts and the precepts and the festivals, he gives them prophets, he gives them priests and godly kings to do what? To be over them, to guard them, to govern them, to guide them for his ultimate purpose and plan. And what is that? That they will bring other nations to the Almighty God. Wow. That's why he gave them all of the prophets and priests and godly kings. Why? Because 
when, when they became a nation after God's own heart, then other nations will want what they want they, they have. Yes. Because they were pointing their life towards an almighty God. Yeah. But, my second point, unfortunately, Israel becomes a lost sheep. Yeah. Where do we get this? Take you to the, I will take you a text in the Old Testament, and we'll look at a text in the New Testament. Lost sheep. Israel becomes the lost sheep. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6. This is what it says. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6. It says, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from the mountain to the hill. They have forgotten their resting place. My people have been lost sheep. My people have been lost sheep. Jeremiah the prophet is declaring. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. Lost sheep. Matthew chapter 15. Jesus makes reference to the same thing. The lost sheep. Israel becomes the lost sheep. And he says in verse 22, John, Matthew chapter 15, And behold, a woman of Canaan. This is, by the way, a non-Jewish woman. She's not Jewish. And behold, a woman of Canaan, come to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. And Jesus engages with her. But verse 24, verse 24, But he answered and said, I am not sent except to the lost sheep of Israel. I am not sent except to the lost sheep of Israel. Imagine that. The woman is wanting a miracle in her life and comes to Jesus and she's a Canaanite woman. But Jesus is saying to her, I am not sent except to the lost sheep of Israel. But I want you to know, Jesus was not trying to avoid her. What Jesus was doing, as he was announcing this to her, he was getting word out. Jesus was saying to her, I hear your need, but I have something to attend to. I have to attend to the lost sheep. They must hear, I am coming after them. They must hear, I am coming for them. And you know, later on in verse 28, Jesus does not avoid her. Gives her the miracle. Then Jesus answered and said to her in verse 28, For woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from the very hour. So Jesus is making reference that is announcing something. I am going after my people. Yeah. I'm going after Israel, the lost sheep. That's what he was getting word out. He wanted word out to fly out. So people will hear, the Israelites will hear that Jesus was coming after him, after them. But Israel remained the lost sheep. Because he came to his own, and his own rejected him. 
So let's get to the fourth. Let's get to the fourth genealogy. I said I had four, right? So we get into the fourth genealogy, and this is how it all ties up. The Jesus genealogy. So we are looking at the genealogy of Jesus in the context of the nation of Israel. We saw, just now we saw the genealogy earlier, from Adam to Abraham. So what we're doing, we're now tracking this power of spiritual DNA. We will see the precision of Father. We're going to see the purity of Father. Why he, was, why he was wanting purity in the DNA? Why he was wanting nothing more than absolutely precisely what he was looking for in the DNA? Why? Matthew gives us Jesus' DNA, Jesus' genealogy. Matthew chapter 1. You will read that from verse 1 to verse 17. But I want to read verse 1. Okay, put it, uh, you have the King James Version. I'm going to read it from my New King James. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. So let me read for you. Matthew chapter 1. Verse 1. And verse 2. And then what it says. <laughs> the book of genealogy. The book of genealogy. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. <laughs> the son of David. The son of Abraham. Then it says. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Which was the twelve which is the nation. Verse 15. Nathan begot Jacob. Verse 16. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. The purpose and the plan of the Father is to produce Jesus. God in the flesh. That is why the father was so circumspect about the purity of the spiritual DNA of each single life. Because Jesus was coming on the scene. The nation ultimately produced Christ Jesus. The nation of Israel ultimately produced Christ Jesus. God in the flesh. So job done. They produced Jesus Christ. Question. So where does it leave Israel after Jesus is born? Where does it leave Jesus? Where does it leave Israel? Jesus is now born. So where does where does Israel belong then? What happens to Israel? Take you to my my, my next point, the fourth point I have. Let's look at Jesus. Israel and the kingdom of God. Jesus, Israel, and the kingdom of God. You're going to see how it all fits together. Where does Jesus, Israel, fit into this kingdom of God? Yeah. Jesus starts to proclaim a specific, very powerful, life-changing, mind-blowing message. 
We see it very clearly in every parable that he spoke. Because he would, he would start the parable by saying, the kingdom of God is. The message is the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the domain of the king. Kingdom. Domain of the king. The government of God on the earth. The government of God on the earth. That's what the kingdom of God is. The government of God on the earth. The rule and reign of God. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. The kingdom of God is a heavenly kingdom. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a physical, earthly kingdom. But here's it. Jesus starts this message of the kingdom of God with Israel first. Oh, where do we get this? He gives his disciples very specific instructions where they must go first about this message of the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 6 and verse 7. I'm telling you, like I said, I'm building line upon line, principle upon principle. Matthew chapter 10, verse 6 and verse 7. Here it comes. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, giving them an instruction. He says, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, sing. The kingdom of heaven is at end. The kingdom of heaven, that means it's a heavenly kingdom. As you go preach and sing, the kingdom of heaven is at So he said, go to Israel first. Go to the lost sheep. You see, what Jesus wants is that the lost sheep, Israel, the lost sheep, he wants them to change. He wants them to transition. He wants them to migrate for being a nation under human and natural government and start accepting the message of the kingdom of God. Causing them to have spiritual and supernatural change in their lives. I want to amplify this. The message of the kingdom of God. Because this is the most powerful message that you must ever hear. And we don't hear about it. The message of the kingdom of God. Amplify again. In Acts chapter 1 verse 3. Acts chapter 1 verse 3. This is why it is so powerful and so important that they, that they go and spread this message of the kingdom of God to the Israelites. Because God doesn't want them to be a nation geographically. Yeah. He wants them to come out of that and become a spiritual people. Yeah. That's what they do. So if they enter and embrace the kingdom of God, then they will shift from being geographical to becoming a spiritual entity. Yeah. This is what he says in Acts chapter 1 verse 3. To whom he also presented himself alive. This is after he died. And he was resurrected. He said to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them. During 
40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he died, he got resurrected, but before he ascended, ascension, there were 40 days that he started to appear to the disciples in different places in different times. And what was his message? His one message was the kingdom of God. That's the only, for 40 days, he's only speaking about the kingdom of God. That's why you will read in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 20. Let's go there. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. So these disciples are doing what Jesus is instructed. He said, This, and this is, and this is a Peter. Men of Israel, ha, men of Israel, not Gentiles. Men of Israel, talking to the Israelites. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourself also knew. Go to verse 36. Verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know this. Assuredly notice that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, Lord and Messiah. You see this message? Jesus is going after his treasure, the Israelites. Jesus is going after his treasure, the Israelites. You will see this in John chapter 4, verse 22. The Samaritan woman at the well. The Samaritan woman at the well, verse 22. This is what it says. It says, you worship what you don't, do not know. We know what we worship. There you are. For salvation is of the Jews. So he didn't ignore this woman, the Samaritan woman. Because you would read later on that this Samaritan woman of what Jesus changed her life, she went into the city and impacted the whole city. Yeah. Yeah. So are you hearing? He's not only coming for the Jews, but he's making an emphasis, I want the Israelites. But he's also going after those that are not part of the Jews. You see, I want you to see the heartbeat of Christ. To bring the Jewish nation into the kingdom of God, under the government of God, under the domain of the king, under his rule and reign. That's why he's going after Israel. Firstly, they rejected him in the old covenant. You know, they rejected him when they said, hey, all the nations around us have a king. We don't have a king. We want a king. But he was supposed to be their king. They rejected him then. In the New Testament, you will read in John chapter 1, verse 11 and verse 12. This is why he says, He came to his own, and his own received him not. Number six. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Paul. Paul takes up, which is my important point I'm coming to. Paul takes up this imperative. I call it the imperative of Paul. Of what Jesus proclaimed to the Samaritan woman. For salvation must come to the Jews. He takes this up. 
and takes us up in his writing in Romans. But I just want to go to a few verses there and show you, because that is going to be the pivotal point for us to understand. Paul, this imperative that he begins to explain to you and I, what is our stand with Israel? Romans chapter 10, verse 1. What is our stand there with Israel? What is our stand with Israel? There you are. Paul is explaining. This is the core. This is the main thing. This is the spiritual thing. This is the supernatural thing. Beyond the physical, beyond the natural. Paul, Romans chapter 10, verse 1. This is why he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Do you get that? My heart's desire and my prayer to God is that Israel will be saved. Romans chapter 11, he goes further. You see this, in, he talks about this in Romans chapter 10, but also he goes on and spreads it further in Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11 verse 1 and verse 2. Very interesting. Very interesting. He asks a, a question. And he answers it. Romans chapter 11 verse 1. I say that. Has God cast away his people? Certainly not. He's emphatic about that. Certainly not. He says, I am also an Israelite. Paul is saying. Of the seed of Abraham. Of the tribe of Benjamin. What he's doing there is giving us and stating his spiritual DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Further, he says, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Yeah. Verse 25, verse 26. Verse 25, verse 26. This is what he says. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Don't be ignorant. Don't be, don't be, don't be, don't be silly. Don't be stupid. Do not be ignorant of this mystery. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion. Yeah. That blindness in part has happened to Israel. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until, blindness until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in and so all Israel will be saved as it is written. Wow. Wow. All the Gentiles, that means the non-Jewish world, when they fully come in into the kingdom of God, then you'll find out Israel is good because they are in part blindness. Yeah, yeah. Their eyes will be open. When their eyes is open, then they are going to step into the kingdom yeah. of God. This is what the Father desires. This is what the Father wants. This is the core factor. This is the main thing. This is my focus point. The missing thing. The salvation of Israel. The salvation of Israel. My last, or my second last point. My second last point. So, having understood, we have to know the salvation of Israel is the most important thing right now. The salvation of Israel. But it comes to my next point. 
understanding his way. Now, in this present war, how do we understand Israel now in this present war? We're going to look at Israel and Babylon of the Old Testament as a reference point. But that's why it's there in the Bible. We're going to look at, I'm going to repeat that, we're going to look at Israel and Babylon as a reference point to understand the war that's taking place right now. Do you get this? Do you, you understand it? We're going to look at Israel and Babylon. We're going to look at Israel and... We're going to look at Israel and Babylon as a reference point to understand what, what, is our, what, what we must do and understand that old factor that, that is happening in the Middle East. Okay? Israel and Babylon as a reference point. You're going to find it very interesting because everything is going to make sense to you. Mm -hmm. It'll start making sense. Go with me to Ezekiel, first of all. Ezekiel 39. Ezekiel 39, verse 23. A reference point of understanding. A reference point. Ezekiel 39, verse 23. The Gentiles, that's about Jewish one, the Gentiles shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity. They went into captivity for their iniquity because they were unfaithful to me. Therefore, I hid my face from them. I gave them into the hand of their enemies and they fell by the sword. Who was that enemy? You see, God is speaking. God is speaking. He said, this is what I did with Israel. I handed them, I handed them over to captivity. Yeah. Yeah. And they fell to the sword. That means they died. Yeah. They were killed. God allowed it. Because what? They were unfaithful to me. Because of their inequity. Yeah. They remained as people that didn't want to be what God wanted them to be. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 25. Little more explanation. Babylon and Israel. Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 11 and verse 12. This is under Babylonian captivity. Babylonian captivity. And the whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And this nation shall serve the king of Babylon. 17 years verse 12 then it will come to pass when 70 years listen to this mm. and it will come to pass when 70 years are completed when they are gone through captivity that means I will punish the king of Babylon mm. and that nation the land of the Chaldeans for the iniquity says the Lord and I will make it a perpetual desolation God will deal with Israel's enemies. Yeah. But God will also use the enemies against Israel. Yeah. How do we know that? Go to my last text, go to, uh, to Jeremiah 29. Line upon line, this is what we're getting. We're getting clarity from God's word. 
not man's ideas and thoughts. Hello? Yeah. Now we will read this in all context. Some, uh, a lot of charismatic and Pentecostals take this out of context. But I want you to see it in the context of Israel and the captivity of Babylon. God allowed it to happen for 70 years. They were under persecution. They were oppressed under Babylonian captivity. Verse 10. Jeremiah 29, verse 10. We will read verse 10 to verse 14. Thus says the Lord, After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. Back to Israel, to the land. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God is saying to Israel, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. No, there was no evil intention. Yeah, yeah. To give you future and a hope. Yes. Yeah. That you shall call me and go and pray to me and I will listen yeah. to you. Yeah. Because after you've been punished for 70 years. And you will seek me and find me and when you search for me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away into captivity. Ha! God has a purpose in what he's doing. Right? Do you see that with Israel? God is teaching them. You're gonna, if you're going to misbehave and not be my treasure, my, my heart's treasure, then I am going to punish you. Yeah. You see, in the 21st century, that you now begin to understand what's going on there right now. God is saying something. God is saying something to the nation of Israel. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. With the attack of Israel that they suffered, on the 7th of the 10th. How did it? How did it ever happen? Israel has the most outstanding, in fact the best in the world, the most sophisticated intelligence to track conversations and movement of terrorists. They never picked it up. They got attacked. The fence, you must have seen this, right? There was a fence that there was a demarcation between Israel, that nation Israel, and uh, uh, on the other side. That fence that divides them. It's only a fence. But they say that fence was breached by the terrorists. But that fence is under 24 7 security. I heard in one of the news, they said, there is seven different types of surveillance technology on that fence. I mean, there's tight security. But Israel was surprised by the unprecedented vicious attack. Devastating and shocking them. They will never recover from it. Because they can't believe it. Here's a question. How was it possible? 
How was it possible? Yes, my answer. It was God as it has with Babylon. It was God doing this to Israel as he used Babylon against Israel. He is using Hamas, he is using Hezbollah, he is using Syria, he is using Iran, the enemies of Israel. For what? Israel to come into the kingdom of God and accept Christ Jesus as the only Messiah and Lord. That's the end game. That's what God desires. And they will come because they don't believe. By, by the way, they don't believe. Ninety percent of them don't believe in Jesus. They're waiting for the Messiah. Yeah. So God is allowing this to happen presently, is so that they can begin to turn and realize Jesus is truly the Messiah. We have to step into the kingdom of God. So my last and final point. I'm just going to read it for you. The ultimate purpose of Israel then. The ultimate purpose for Israel is basically found in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6. Two texts and I'm closing. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6. And it says this. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. Now, when you're reading this, you're reading chapter, in chapter 2, he's talking to the Gentiles, and he's telling the Gentiles, Paul is telling the Gentiles in chapter 2, he's saying to the Gentiles, hey, don't live in a place of isolation thinking that only you uh, love Jesus. He said, I want you to think bigger than that. I want you to begin to realize there's another group that I'm after. And that's the Israelites. And so that's why he says, he describes it in these words, but the Gentiles should be fellow heads. That means together with the Israelites. Of the same body. And partakers of his promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So what he wants is that they must come to an end. I, I wish I had the time, but I realize I'm out of time. But I want you to begin to understand that what he's describing to, to the Gentiles, he's saying, hey, don't live your life as individually and by yourself. Begin to understand that you are partakers, that you are part of the body that belong, that you are part of the body, and the other part of the body is the Israelites. So don't see yourself and don't see yourself that you are separated from the Israelites. I want you to see that you are co heirs with them. Very interesting. That's that's the theme that runs out into, uh, run out of Ephesians. And I'm going to close with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. He's bringing them to an understanding that there's another company of people called the Israelites. And when they get saved, they are going to be connected to you Gentiles. And that's going to be the kingdom of God. There's going to be no Jew. There's going to be no Gentile. Yeah. 
And this is what he says. There is one body, one spirit, as you were called in one hope for your calling. One Lord, notice the word one, not unity. One. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6. One God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. In you all. So, this is where we're going to come to. This is the, the ultimate purpose of God. Oneness. Oneness between the Gentile world, the non-Jewish world, and Israel. That means the Israelites that are saved and the Gentiles that are saved are going to come to a place of oneness. Ultimate oneness. That's the kingdom of God. That is the kingdom of God. So, as I close, Paul's imperative must become our imperative. Pray for the salvation of Israel. You see, when salvation comes to them, then peace will come to them. Let me say that again. When salvation comes to Israel, then peace will come to Israel. Jesus desires, this is what the Father is longing for. All Israel will be saved as it is written. We have to pray. We have to pray for Israel to be saved. We have to pray for Israel to receive salvation. We have to pray that Israel will embrace and enter the kingdom of God. That's why it's beyond the physical, see the spiritual, it's beyond the natural, see the supernatural. Yeah. I'm going to ask Pastor Maggie to pray for us. Thank you, Lord. Father, your word gives us the directive, Lord, yes. the instruction to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yes. But Lord, today as we heard, O oh God, your word so clearly spoken to us, O oh God, that in light